Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Cheryl Goddett. Before we get to Cheryl, I have a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there, you can see photos of our guests. You can see stories that I've written, see stories that some of the guests have written. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media. And by that, of course, I mean Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page at Travel Tales Podcast. There are links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. Just click on there, subscribe for free, as always. Literally hundreds of episodes you can listen to for the low, low price of zero. And all I ask is that you please give us a good rating there, because that boosts our presence and helps more people find the show, and that'd be a cool thing for you to do. If you want to contact me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That is TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. So Cheryl Gaudette, she is the person that booked me to perform at the Playa Mazatlan Hotel in beautiful Mazatlan, Mexico. She is a Canadian expat from Halifax, Nova Scotia, by way of Toronto, uh, but has lived in Mazatlan for the last 10 years and loves it. It is her home, and she was a great host. She hired me and my good friend Murray Valeriano to do a show down there, and we had a blast Stayed the weekend. Murray got in a little surfing. I did some body surfing. I didn't go full on surfing. We both got a little sunburn. We had a really, really fun show consisting of mostly uh, expats, basically. The gringos, they loved us. But a couple of years ago, I was in Mazatlan shooting for the tourism board down there. Did some uh, promotional videos that played here in Southern California on KTLA just promoting it as a uh, tourism destination. And hey, Mazatlan's great. It's affordable. It's right on the beach. Our hotel, the Playa Mazatlan Hotel, which has been around for many, many years, literally right on the beach. I had an amazing room. We ate great Mexican food, had mango margaritas, and told some jokes. And amazingly enough, friend of the show and former guest, Cashley Kucherin, is now living down there and loves it. And she came out to the show. So if you heard Cashley's episode that aired last month, She mentioned toward the end that she was going to be moving to Mazatlan, and I said, hey, I'm going to be down there, and she said she would come to the show, and she did. And it was great connecting with her and meeting her face-to-face, and now Cheryl knows her, so we have a nice little community building up there of uh, Travel Tales podcast guests. But Cheryl was nice enough to sit down and answer some questions that I had about living in Mexico, what's it like being an expat, and specifically, what's it like to live in Mazatlan? Cheryl is an accomplished musician. She played a song to open the show, and that's what the intro and outro music for her interview will be. It's a new song she has called Mazatlan Sunset, fittingly enough. Cheryl's website is CherylGaudet.com, C-H-E-R-Y-L-G-A-U-D-E-T. Go there, you can listen to her music, see where she's going to be playing next, and if you find yourself down in Mazatlan, either go see Cheryl perform or... See a comedy show at the Playa Mazatlan Hotel. So please enjoy my conversation with Cheryl Gaudet. Oh, 
like a Mazatlan sunset, yeah, yeah. So how long have you lived in Mazatlan? Ten years this year. What made you want to move down here? Well, first of all, I got invited by a friend to come and visit in 2007, and uh, I ended up playing music every night I was here for two weeks. I'm a musician, and uh, I got invited, invited back the following year to do a show and came back the following year, and I just absolutely fell in love with the place, and re- really that was the main reason I stayed. What was it about here that really got to you as opposed to anywhere else in Mexico? Had you been to many places in Mexico before that? I'd only been to Puerto Vallarta before that, and that was in the early 80s as a work job, as a work assignment. So what got me was the friendliness and openness of the people here, more so than anyone anywhere I've ever experienced that. Like, you know you've been here. The people are just unbelievably friendly, and the foreign community is as well. And they were extremely supportive of me and my music, and that was really the main reason I stayed. And, of course, it's the very affordable, and the weather is to die for. So all of that in a nutshell. Uh, what did your family think about you moving down to Mexico? I re- <laughs> Shirley Valentine? Maybe. I don't know, really. Uh, I really, I really don't know what they thought about it. I think, they, from my, if my memory serves me correctly, I think they were fairly supportive of the idea. And not overly surprised, because it not, wasn't the first time I'd left home. Do you get people coming down here to visit uh, right around January, February, when they're really tired of it? Yes, absolutely. Actually, <laughs> my sister's arriving next week, and uh, I think my cousin is coming down in February. So, yeah, definitely. For people who want to move down here, did you need a special visa, or do you have to get paid under the table? How does that work? Well... First of all, yes, you do need a work visa. Okay. Yes, and you can live here permanently, start off temporarily. I like You can come for six months at a time if you're Canadian. You can be out of the country for six months, and then you can just forward on with that process. What changes have you seen in 10 years of living in Mazatlan and Mexico in general? What are the big differences? Wow, that's a big one. Hmm. The city itself is improving over the time that I've been here, just uh, structurally um, there are definitely more hotels being built. It seems to be getting a bigger, wider, worldly reputation for being one of the best places to visit and, and live, actually. You've been, you were here before hosting yeah. a travel show, right? So that kind of exposure has been, get, has been coming to Mazatlan a lot lately and giving a lot of good exposure. There's construction all over the beach that I've seen. Is, have you seen like that growth just go... Uh, crazy, and if so, have you seen the problems that come with growth? Like, you know, there's a lot of people. Maybe there's not a lot of places for the workers to live, or um, has crime gone up, or anything like that? No, I don't see that. I see improvements all around. There's more employment because there's more things going on. You know, so it evens out the playing field, I think. And the people who come, you know, there's there's people here for thirty coming for thirty years, expats and visitors that this is their second home. So, sure, things change and there's more people, but I think it's attracting good people, too. And, no, the crime, I don't think the crime has changed any. Not in Mazatlan. In, in the, like, Culiacan, we all know what happened there. But, no, I think, I, I feel safe. I feel safer in Mazatlan than I ever have living anywhere else. And that's the truth. Even in Halifax? Absolutely. Yeah, we don't, I was telling you the other day that we don't have that, the young gang, thud, hood, street, mentality among the kids here or a younger generation here everybody's just chilled out man you can see it when you're walking down the malecon at night 
And everybody asks me if it's safe. You know, I'd love to be able to videotape the Malacone at night when you think, it. oh, my God, it's going to be scary. It's nighttime, you know. But no, it's exact opposite. That's when the families come out with their kids and runners and joggers and cyclists. Or everybody's out on the Malacone or in Centro Historico sitting around the Plaza Huela enjoying food and music. There's a ton of live music in town. And now the Comedy Club, of course, we're six years old now. So there's tons to do. and It's also fun. And it's a party town, too. They love to party here, for sure. Yeah. Have there any been uh, any kind of Mexican traditions that you've taken on yourself that you really have uh, latched on to? Well, I love Dia de los Muertos. That's a really special one. Uh, I'm really personally not a big, huge crowd person, but I love Carnaval. It's always fun. I like to take in Carnaval. And uh, let's see. Easter is uh, the biggest vacation here. It is packed, jammed with uh, Mexican people, and it's the party of the week. So there's you know millions of people here. <laughs> you can't get a spot on the beach, so I kind of avoid the beach. I'm a beach person, so I uh, I avoid the beach during <laughs> during Easter week. <laughs> I have noticed just walking around the uh, beach here, as opposed to say like Puerto Vallarta or um, like Cozumel or something like that, that it's mostly Mexicans. Like, there's not as many gringos here, and certainly I don't see as many, like, Europeans or anything like that, or Asian tourists or something like that. Um, is, is that. is there a reason for that? Is it, or is it maybe it's a little tougher to fly to? Is that something? Or is it just not on the map of, like, Europeans or something? I th- yeah, you're right. It's not that easy to fly to, actually. I think it's getting easier. I just heard they're going to have a direct flight from Spain. Did you know that? No. Did you hear that? Yeah. And they're working on more direct flights from Canada. But I think generally the, the population of people that come to Mazatlan are a little on the older side, too. But you're not, you're not seeing, you're seeing more Mexicans this weekend because it's a holiday, for one thing. And the new highway to Durango has opened up this huge tourist market that wasn't here, say, five, ten years ago for sure. So that's huge. It's bringing a lot of Mexican visitors that weren't coming here before. And also the, the beach, you know, it's a huge attraction to people that live in the cold areas up in the mountains. Like, it's snowing in Durango. So wow. and that's only like a three-hour drive away now with the new highway. Really? I yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like, sure. it's like Canada, actually. It's pine trees. Pine trees, you know. It's, it's quite bizarre. A lot of Canadians here. Has word gotten around Canada that Mazalan's a place as opposed to, say, Cabo or, you know, or another place or, or the other coast? Well, it must be because I think Mazatlan to the west of Canada is like Florida is to the east of the states in Canada. It's it's just easy. It's an easy drive. A lot of people drive here from as far away as BC and up in the northern, you know, west western provinces. Lots and there's actually a like a new kind of surge of people from the east coast, like me, that I've discovered Mazatlan. I didn't even know this place existed until my friend told me about it. My uh, mother lives in central Florida. And during the winter there, most of the license plates are Ontario and Quebec. Nova Scotia. Yeah, in Nova Scotia as well. So I'm just, I guess, yeah, it makes sense that like the west of the BC people and the Alberta people would come. So was your plan always to just stay here or did it just kind of flow into that? Like you just created a life here and it just one thing led to another. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. <laughs> there was no grand plan? No, absolutely no. No, there was no grand plan. When I left Nova Scotia, I had no idea I was not coming back. I did not know that. It kind of just happened as it did. And music was the huge, the huge factor for me. What advice would you give uh, people who want to relocate? And, you know, especially I see more and more Americans wanting to live somewhere else, especially as they get older. And healthcare prices have a lot to do with it. Have you ever had to go to the doctor here or anything like that? I sure have. And the prices are extremely reasonable. 
I'm a Canadian. My health care is covered in Canada, but I see a doctor here for 35 pesos. And which is? That's a, my general doctor. So it's about it's a little over a dollar. <laughs> I've seen I've been seeing her for six years, and I love her, and she's taking really good care of me. You know, but people come here for dental work. That's that's common knowledge that you know vac- uh, dental vacations, dental uh, medical vacations. Definitely come and visit a couple of times. I would suggest and see if it feels right for you. I know a lot of people like myself who've just dropped in to Mazatlan for a visit and it was an instant love I've, I've met people when I'm performing I meet, meet a lot of people and I've met people that just come here on a day on a cruise ship and thought this is where I want to be look at uh, your, your, your new friends Cashley and Trevor yes. who've traveled the world and ended up in Mazatlan and decided that this is where they want to be and they're only in their 30s so it says a lot I mean there's a magic here that I can't really explain but I think it has a lot to do with the pace it's a chilled out city. People care about each other. You hear all kinds of stories of you know, gestures of kindness from between Mexicans and foreigners and the other way around too. You just hear those stories all the time. You know, this, this happened to me and this guy came you know, and saved the day and just there's an honesty here. And it's, it's almost like a, a kind of a lifestyle that we're sort of, we've gotten away from in, our, in, a, in the big rushy society that we live in. That's what I find about it. My neighbors are great. You know, I do house concerts at my house once a month or so during the high season, and my neighbors are fine with that, and they're supportive. They come to my shows, and, you know, it's just it's like a family. There's a family value system here that's much very similar to where I come from on the East Coast, where family values are, you know, high on the priority list. And hardworking people, too. How was your Spanish before you got here, and uh, how long did it take you to get Good at it. It was absolutely nil, non-existent, nada, before I came here. No, not a word. And I only, I kind of learned street Spanish from, from playing in gigs and, and working with waiters and whatnot. That's how I learned on kind of just by osmosis. I'm not fluent by any means, but I can get by. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can get by much better than most. I mean, a lot of people move down and never learn. Uh, do you find that in a lot of the uh, expat community? And is it a, is it a problem for them ever? I, I don't know if it's a problem or not. I, I guess if it was a big problem, they wouldn't stay. Right. You know, because it is a tourist town. So a lot of the people that work in that industry do speak English. So it, it almost makes it too easy for us. And when I first moved down, I, I had a Mexican boyfriend. So that made it a little easier for me because I would just listen to him talking. And What's that mean? What is, how do you say that, you know? Well, why would you say that instead of that? Well, because that's what, you know... How do you say such and such in Spanish? Well, you, we wouldn't say that, Cheryl. Why? Because we wouldn't. We just don't say those things. <laughs> you know, just, okay, so you have to wrap your brain around what you, what, what, you know, what you, what you can say and what's, what you can't say and how to say it. And just, yeah. I think with any communication, it's just all about being open and being friendly and courteous. And Mexican people are so friendly and so helpful and so patient <laughs> if, you can't, if you can't speak the language. So, yeah. Let's talk about your, your music career before you got here so you're from Halifax and you went did you used to tour all through Canada and and on the road all the time no not really I lived I grew up in Halifax and I moved to Toronto when I was in my 20s and started working heavily in the music industry later on in my 30s I moved back to after I started a folk festival in Ontario and ran it for four years I I moved back to Nova Scotia released two CDs and toured around the area there so I had just released my second CD about a year before I came here. Okay. Yeah. 
Are any of these available online that people can hear them? Absolutely, at CherylGadette.com. Did you ever travel in a band situation, or was it mostly solo? Mostly solo, yeah. I played in a band for about five, four or five years while I, after I got here. I started playing in the band, but uh, it's mostly been solo, yeah. Like a comic. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about that the other day, weren't we? About dating comics or dating <laughs> musicians. <laughs> well, I tell people, it's the, a lot of people can't handle the road wears out a lot of people you know, in comedy because if you can't handle being alone for long stretches or doing things, going to restaurants, going everywhere else by yourself, then uh, you're going to have a hard time in this business. So, I mean, it, it tends to attract uh, loners, I guess, in a way. It's like you say when you're, you don't like crowds. I don't either. And you tell people that and like, but you're a performer. You should love crowds. It's like, no, I don't. <laughs> if there's, yeah, that's right. If I'm above them speaking into a mic, it's not too bad. So uh, what was the biggest gig you ever played? Oh, my gosh. I played for around 20,000 people in, at Halifax Natal Day one time. Wow. Yeah, something like that. Outdoors? Yeah, a great big outdoors. Yeah. They do Solo? it every year. No, with another person. Yeah, it was that fun. That pretty cool. It was fun. I was quite young at the time. <laughs> yeah. Who were your influences uh, music-wise? Uh, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, Bonnie Raitt, Car- you know, the 70s singer-songwriters, Beatles, of course. Yeah. yeah. Bruce Coburn, Canadian guitar. Hey. Yes, absolutely. What do you miss about Canada every time you go home, or is there anything? Um, family, number one. Sure. Sometimes I miss the seasons. Summer in Nova Scotia is absolutely exquisitely beautiful. I was there for six weeks this year. Yeah, you were there. I was there for the month of September, and the weather was divine. Yeah. So, you know, I don't really get into missing things. I love where I am, who I am, where I am. So I don't really get into the, the sentimentality of... I'm not, I don't really get into the sentimentality of being away from home. I just I try to be happy where I am, wherever I am. Having lived here and lived in a different country, is there something about here that you wish, like your hometown or, or, uh, or your home country or my home country would, could learn from? And maybe if we could trade things, they could take some little from us and we could take something from them. Maybe the emphasis on family. Yeah, definitely. I think once again, going back to just kindness. And, you know, when you walk down the street in Mazatlan, everyone makes eye contact. And it's, Buenos dias. No matter who it is, young, old, little kid, little old person, you know, it's always contact, contact. Where I remember living in Toronto and traveling on the subways, and it was just so, everybody was so closed off and paranoid, and you couldn't make contact with anybody. It was, it got kind of crazy after a while. It really did. It was like, this is not normal. Humans aren't supposed to relate to each other like this. That's what I love the most about it here. Uh, if you could give them something, would it be uh, uh, showing up on time? <laughs> no, because that just makes it, in- that just makes it interesting. <laughs> so if you tell somebody, okay, I'm going to meet you for lunch at uh, 1, what, what time do they show up? 2. 2? <laughs> but is that a given? Most likely, yes. Yeah, yeah. You just assume that they're going to show up at 2. Yeah, or if you're having a house party or something like that and you've invited local guests, yeah, expect them to show up. At least an hour late, if not more. That's the polite thing to do. Right. <laughs> so my friend was selling her house, and she's still trying to sell a house in Acapulco. And she said one thing that drives her crazy is that Mexicans would never say no. They would never tell you no. And so even when they know they're not going to buy it, they just can't tell you no. I, I, don't, I don't know why. That is absolutely true. Okay. 
But it's true, and I don't know why. It's uh, somebody explained it to me once that it's it's like, um, how can I say this? So yeah, they don't want to disappoint you. They don't want to let you down. Yeah. So then, rather than say no, they'll leave it open. They'll leave that door a little bit open, even though they know it's probably no. <laughs> and when you're thinking like, oh, I think they're interested. They want to buy. Uh, oh, nope. And even they'll even call back. They'll even, you know, they'll string you along. Uh-huh. And then, but knowing that they're not going to sh- Yeah, okay, so we're meeting. This is our third meeting. We're going to meet again, and we're going to sign the papers. Yes, absolutely. And they never show up. They just ghost you. they just gone. Mm-hmm. That's got to be so frustrating. Yeah. That's, that's why I do house concerts. <laughs> What was it like doing, uh, were you, most of your gigs when you first got here, were they in restaurants, hotels, that kind of thing? Yeah, both restaurants and hotels. It's some really, really nice gigs, actually. There's, and the thing about here is I played every night of the week. I could play every night of the week now if I wanted to. There's a huge music scene here, and all the venues love having music in them because it attracts people, obviously. That's another thing. Mexicans, the culture is still very vibrant and musical and lively and humor and and it's still very much they're into live performances, whereas you know, Canada and the States, it's a getting less and less all the time for live musicians to be able to make themselves, you know, a living. Well, I know one place I could use a little less live music is when I'm enjoying the beach in a tuba and a snare drum show. <laughs> what is the deal with these bands on the beach? And there's so many of them. It's just, I, I don't remember seeing this as bad in uh, in other beaches in Mexico. It's banda, man. Banda. It's banda. You and, and so, okay, for people who don't know, there's these groups. It's, it's like always a big bass drum with a cymbal and a snare, a big tuba or sousaphone or whatever it is, and uh, usually some woodwinds and you know, a guy with a guitar and a guy with a, a microphone and a little amp, and they're singing. And they just go from people to people, people down the beach. I guess they're doing it for tips, uh, yeah. right? But you'll have one right, you know, like, 20 yards from another band. Yeah. I mean, they, they got to be canceling each other out after a while. How much could they make? I don't even know. You, I mean, you, they'll stop and play for a bunch of people dancing around us for three or four people, and they'll sing three or four songs. I don't know how much they make. It can't be that much. That's why they have to play so much, I guess. But you're here on a weekend, it's a vacation week, it's a holiday weekend, so probably more so than normal, I would think. Right. Yeah. It was a lot. It's called, there's a sort of a time, if you're sitting on the beach down at Pueblo Bonito, which is a little bit north of where we are right now, it's called Banda Clock. At three o'clock, all summer long, every day, the banda shows up at three o'clock. So if you don't like it, get your stuff out of there beforehand. (laughs) It's called Banda Clock, and it's three o'clock on the nose. Any Latin music that you're into, or, mu- or instruments, or anything like that? I just love I love the I love Cuban music actually. Oh. Yeah, I love the African influence, and there's there's all kind like I said there's all kinds of different styles of music here. It's uh, of course I'm a, I'm a guitar player, so that's that just fascinates me. And we have the beautiful cultural um, Antelo Peralta Theater here. They have world class music pretty well every night of the week all year round. Oh wow! So it's yeah it's a, it's incredibly rich with culture. How are the prices here for people who are thinking of visit as compared to other towns in Mexico, like going out and hotel rooms and stuff? It's extremely inexpensive, I think. I haven't been, I haven't been to a lot of other places. I've traveled down through uh, Guanajuato and uh, down through Puerto Vallarta, down as far as uh, La Manzanilla. And it's, I think Mazatlan is extremely reasonable. Who's the biggest star you ever met and worked with? Well, 
I've met some big stars. Not I haven't really worked with them, but I've met James. I've met James Taylor. I've met Cat Stevens. I hung out in New York with Rick Danko. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so some Canadian shout out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How uh, how are they? I heard James Taylor is very funny. I haven't seen him live, but I hear he's a funny guy. Ah, yes, he's incredible. Yeah, he really he's, he he can turn a ten thousand person room, seat room into a living room. That's he's got that magic. Okay, let's talk about comedy. How what made you want to start booking a comedy club in Mexico? Well, in nineteen eighty nine, I founded the Eaglewood Folk Festival in in Pepperlow, Ontario, and ran it for four years. And I love producing shows. I've had, I, I was a host of a radio show for a while on CIUT in Toronto. And I was having problems with my ear a few years ago. I was having extreme vertigo. It was an on, like a gradual thing that was coming on with me, and I was having difficulty playing music or being around loud noises. So I had to really stop playing music. And just, just when that was sort of t- peaking, my friend Eric Strite from L.A., Who's a, he works in television and had a comedy club years ago. You probably would, a little, maybe before your time, I think. How long have you been in comedy? 20 years? I've been in L.A. for 22 years. Okay, so, right, uh, yeah. I don't know his name. Eric Strite. Anyway, Eric and I were brainstorming one night, and he suggested, I wanted to do something, start producing a show, but knowing that there was already enough music in town, I wanted to do something different, but I really had no idea what that would be. So Eric just said, what about a comedy club? And I thought, wow, what an interesting concept. Talk more. Tell me more. What's you know what's involved with that? Who do I who do I talk to? Who do I meet? So he turned me on to the first five comedians that came down in two thousand whatever four years ago was fifteen, know, 15 yeah, fourteen, fifteen. And it took off, and it was amazing because uh, you know I've got. So some people that have been following me for quite a few years here, so they were all incredibly supportive and came to the first show. And it just has taken off from there. And working with Lance Vient at the, at the Hotel Playa Mazatlan has been a, a real gift. He was just completely open to the concept. He said, yeah, we love comedy. My wife and I lived in L.A. We love comedy. Let's do it. We've uh, had a beautiful showroom here, the best showroom in town in my opinion. So the first year, I pretty much did all the publicity and promoting and the posters and all that stuff. And then after I proved myself the first year, they jumped on board with, you know, two feet in, all committed. And we've taken off and formed a great partnership. And ever since then, it's just, like I said, it's, been, it's, took, it's taken off. It's been a huge success. So you do only in the winter, right? So it was, uh, what, once a month for six, six months? Five, November to March. Okay. How, did you ever try to do it in the summer, or is it just not enough people? No, there wouldn't be enough people, no. When do you really see it? Like in April, the place just empty out? What's the population of Mazatlan in, in the winter as opposed to the summer? It's got to be like half, right? Yeah, it, in, around the end of March, beginning of April, everybody just leaves and goes back to wherever they came from. Most, you know, most of them, there's a big exodus. It's like, I call it winter camp for seniors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it, I guess it would be mostly seniors, but I mean, is there, uh, you get the young party crowd at all of of tourists coming in? I think Mazatlan used to be a young party crowd, but they've sort of backed off on that whole thing. Uh, Used to be the spring breakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I think most of them go now to Cancun and Cabo and Puerto Vallarta. Yeah. You don't want them anyway, though. I guess not. (laughs) We don't. We don't want them anyway. I'm done with those people. When I stop being one, I'm done with them. 
What's your impression of, of the Playa Mazatlan and what we're doing here as a comedian? Well, I haven't done the show yet, as you know, so I'll have a better uh, I'll have a better idea after tonight. But so far, everything's great. I mean, if you if you've kept it, any any room that goes on for multiple years, they're obviously doing something right. Because if this wasn't working, they would have canceled it after your first season. So that's more of a testament. A, it's got to be a good room. B, that it's getting a crowd. And C, that you're doing a good job. You know what you're doing. But promotion is a lot of it. So I think a lot of it, the fact that you can sell as many tickets as you do means that you have a good, you're either working hard or you just know a lot of people or both. (laughs) I I, I think it's the quality. I mean, and also if the shows sucked, people wouldn't come back. So you need repeat people. I mean, there's not enough people to keep filling new crowds every, you know, it's not that big of a city. So do, can people buy like a subscription and for the whole season? Yeah, they can buy tickets for the entire season. And lots of people do too. They just come in and buy the whole season worth, you know, for their tables or chairs or whatever they're buying. But yeah, it's definitely for me, it's been the quality of performers who've come down here. And then they in turn refer me to other great performers like you and, and Marie, and the word has gotten out, I think, among in the comedy community, which is, to me, quite an honor. Yeah, we've had a friend and former guest of the show, Paul Morrissey, came down here, and he loved it, and he raved about it, and I know you have Bobby Tessel coming in, and uh, Francis Lorenzo was here, and a few other people, so you've had some pretty good acts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that all ends tonight, my friend. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to your last show. <laughs> did you have to, uh, when you were performing on the road and all those years, uh, did you ever work with a lot of comedians? you have to open for them or are they open for you? Never. Absolutely right. never. This is my first experience working with comedians. That's strange because usually, I mean, at least it's usually the comics opening for musicians. That's how it usually goes. Um, but that was usually before comedy clubs. But they still do it um, because, I don't know, it's a nice transition quite often. You know, it's not that like... Two things. Would you? I saw you have like a Elvis, a guy coming in. Do you book music as well? He's the he's the first and only musical comedian that we've had so far. But the, you know he sells out every twice a year. What's his, name? his name is Corny Rimple. He's from he's from Winnipeg. Ah, yeah. So, Winnipeg. Yeah. Home of Elvis. Actually, he's from Steinbeck, not quite Winnipeg. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But he's he started coming down here quite a few years ago and and got a real good following and. You know, he he does, he sells out. He does a good show. He pours his heart into it, and he, he's a good entertainer. You know? yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, and from Winnipeg, he's got to be loving the weather. I mean, if you take it for the weather alone, he's yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. So how were you on uh, spicy, and, uh, spicy and Peppers and all that before you got here, and how are you now? <laughs> <laughs> I like it hot. Okay, what can yeah. I say? <laughs> did you have to learn to do that, or, you know, or did you have, win- uh, like, you know, Canadian taste buds when you came down here. No, no. I, well, living in Toronto, I mean, I'm, I love yeah, all. I lovely. love. I love the whole palette. You know, I, it's more than just lobster. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love Mexican food, actually. Yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, what is something that somebody has to try uh, when they come to Mazatlan? I always tell people the shrimp. Well, it is the shrimp. This is the shrimp capital of the universe, isn't it? I think yeah. Mazatlan is the Sea of Cortez. They grow them big here. <laughs> definitely coconut shrimp and mango chutney. If you've never had that, definitely go for that. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was your, this is where I do like a speed round of, uh, of travel tales. Give me, you, you have any, your worst flight experience? 
um, flying back from Portugal to Toronto. What happened? Well, at the time, I was married to a paraplegic. Oh, wow. Actually, it wasn't the flight. It was when we got back to Toronto. It took four attempts to get a cab to take his wheelchair in their car because they, they didn't want to damage their upholstery. It was, welcome back to Canada, but we won't take you in our cabs. Wow. Yeah, that was my worst. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, I didn't know this about uh, your ex-husband. Um, so for people, well, I, I have been written by some uh, listeners who uh, are slight, uh, handicapped and or in wheelchairs. What advice can you give them of things to do and places to go if uh, they need assistance? Here? In general, as a traveler. Because it's not easy. Definitely do your research before you go out the door to go anywhere. We researched Portugal for months and, and had personal contact with people with disabilities over there at the time and made sure they knew everything that we wanted to do and what we could do. So definitely do your research. Yeah, don't assume anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, any food poisonings? Any uh, illnesses? Any time ever had to be rushed to the hospital anywhere? You. Yes. I got bit by a scorpion once. Whoa! Well, okay. You weren't going to tell me that, were you? You were going to hold that information? Now we got a story. Now, we... where were you bit by a scorpion? Not on your body. Where in geographically were you? In my house. Here? Yes. Oh, my God. So, what happens? That's deadly. Well, it depends on what kind of scorpion's biting you. I guess the big ones are not as harmful as the little ones. There's the big brown ones are not as harmful as the little see-through ones. Which one but you? Big, the big guys. The, the dangerous big, the big, the big, No, no, they're not as dangerous as oh, the smaller okay. see-through ones. All right. How did this happen? <laughs> so I, I had taken a shower and put my towel on my bed, my nightstand, and I went to take the towel and put it in the laundry hamper, and it, it brushed against my, my hip, and the scorpion was on the towel and I felt this sting right here and and my boyfriend was just leaving actually Jorge was just leaving and I just screamed bloody murder Jorge I've been bit by scorpion anyway so he he rushed me to the blue cross and by the time I got there my throat was starting to close up Oh my God. So they gave me an, an, an you know an anti whatever they call it. Anti venom. Yeah, an anti venom thing. But it, that was definitely the scariest thing that's ever happened in my, I'd say my life, because I didn't know at the time that it could or it couldn't kill me. I thought it would kill me. You know, yeah. I didn't know the difference. I was newbie. I was a newbie. So is there like a a, a pain or is it a sting and then do, can you feel it move up your body or anything like that or is it like a numbness? It's right at where it bites you. It's just like a really, uh, like a burn. A real burn, and it stays there for a little while. Wow. Yeah, Oof. I don't recommend it. <laughs> no. You've never been bitten in all your life traveling around the road. No, You've never been bitten by a scorpion, bit. snake. No. No, I've seen uh, uh, rattlers. I've, thank God, got out of the way. I've been bitten by uh, more mosquitoes than I'd like to count, which I haven't really noticed that being a big problem down here. I guess it's, is it bad? No, not this time of the year. It's not usually that bad. So it's seasonal. Yeah. Summer is bad? Later on in the summertime, yeah. I think it gets worse. And they, But they spray for mosquitoes here, too. What is the temperature here in the summer? The 30s in Fahrenheit, uh, Celsius, that is. That's hot. That's hot. So what's that, what is that in Fahrenheit? I forget. 90s? I forget. Yeah. 90s. And really, really high humidity. Oh. <laughs> Dripping sweat nonstop. Yeah. Except if I go to the beach a lot. If you go to the beach, you stay cool in the breeze. Yeah. 
And uh, Murray did some surfing. I was, I was under the weather uh, the other day, but Murray ended up doing some surfing, and he said it was great. So um, do we get uh, – is it a big surf area, or do you get a lot of people coming in just for that? Yeah, there's well, – I think there's – okay, one, two, three. I'd say about four breaks here. And in the summertime, there's a huge break off Stone Island. Uh, yeah, it's re- you, know, you see lots of boogie boarders and, and surfers here. What about other activities? Like you see these other islands out and they're uninhabited. Can you like hike on them or camp or yeah. do that? You can you can camp on Deer Island. You can get there by kayak or or um, car, uh, catamaran, or just get delivered by a ponga. Yeah, there's all kinds of things to do. You know, there's water sports and fishing. Fishing is big, big fishing. here. Fishing is big here, and it's also big. They have the biggest bass lake. Of the in the world, just a little bit east of here, called Lake Salto. Oh yeah. People come in from all over the world to, f- to fish bass out of that lake. I saw a, a typical bass dude on my flight out here. <laughs> he was all kitted out. I saw the rods. Yeah, you saw. You saw. <laughs> the I saw them talking. I heard him talking about it on the way down. He was going. Uh, he was going bass fishing, and I was like, oh, "Bass." I, I just assumed people were going deep sea fishing, but no, they they catch everything around here. Yeah. I actually went up to that guy and said, you should come to the comedy club. And he just brushed me off completely. He said, I'm going fishing. I said, you're going fishing all day Sunday? You can't come to the club? I'm going fishing. He was committed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get between a fisherman and his fish. Well, if you could uh, play ambassador for uh, Mazatlan right now and, and convince people to come, uh, what would you? what's the biggest misconception about Mazatlan and Mexico that people have in the north that you want to dispel? I think there's a big fear factor. It's, you know, yes, the cartel is alive and well in in Sinaloa, the state that Mazatlan resides in. Yes, there is violence in Mexico. There's no doubt about that. However, I'm one person. I live alone. I've been single pretty much since I've been here. I go home at different hours of the night from gigs I have not once ever felt unsafe in this town. Now, people who know me know me. I'm not. I'm not that stupid to, that I would live somewhere where it's dangerous. Why would I want to? I wouldn't want to live anywhere where I didn't feel safe. And that's basically what I tell people: listen to your, listen to the people that travel these roads. Don't pay attention solely to the media or the travel alerts. And all the the negative vibe, you know, that comes out of the media. Talk to people, and there's lots of Facebook posts about people traveling down here, driving, flying, personal testimonies to the safety of their experiences here. And I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, talk to the people who are experiencing it. And those are the ones who, that's what's real. You know, it's not a movie. It's the real deal. I live here. I feel safe here. I've never had an issue with safety. I feel very comfortable here. What's your dream place You always, or places you've always wanted to go? What's on your bucket list if you could go anywhere in the world? Actually, I have a, a dream list to go to, to the island of Mauritius. Oh, yeah. Because, because I, I befriended a couple from there when I lived in Toronto. They have a, this really cute little cafe that I used to love to go to. The food knocked me out. Creole, Indian, African, Asian combination of food and their the culture, and it's absolutely gorgeous looking. And from what they told me, it's a beautiful culture. So that's just I don't know. That's just one of my little on my little bucket list. 
That's pretty good. It's a big world. It's yeah, a big. it's really big. <laughs> you got to narrow it down. But that's a good one, though. I've never been, I've never been but uh, it, uh, it looks amazing. Um, yeah, finally, what do you think all this travel you've done and living far from where you were raised, how has it changed you as a person and how you look at the world and people in general? Well, it's made me appreciate the diversity of people, that's for sure. And, um, you know, there are just so many beautiful cultures that have so many extremely interesting things to think about and do, and the food, the the music, the languages, the customs. It's you know I went I went down two years ago to the Yucatan Peninsula with my sister and and visited the Mayan ruins and Chichen Itza and Uxmal and swam in cenotes and I just felt like this beautiful spirit of the Mayan people there that I'd never experienced that before. I experienced First Nations people in Canada, obviously, and. And where I come from, where my family is pretty sure that we have Métis blood. So I've always been connected to that and to nature and to earth and, you know, that kind of spirituality. But I tell you, there's, it's, there's so much beautiful culture in the world. And how can you experience it if you don't go and really experience it hands-on? That's great. That's good advice. And uh, for people who want to come see a comedy show... And when they're in Mazatlan, what website should they go to? MazatlanComedyClub.com. That's easy. And we're so happy to have you and Murray here with <laughs> us. It's gonna, I'm really looking forward tonight. No, to, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. And thank you for bringing me here. This has been great. And sorry I wasn't, uh, you know, 100% the other day. But now I feel fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Now it's showtime. Cheryl Goddard, everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Mike.